When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome into what uh, will most likely be the weirdest, most news-filled, jam-packed episode of From the Pink Seats podcast that we have ever done. There's been a lot of news that has broken during the last year or so of this podcast, but none has uh, come close to what the last week and a half has been like since we last recorded. Uh, But here we are, Jacob Lane, host of From the Pink Seats, stateoflouisville.com, State of Louisville Podcast Network. I'm joined, as always, by my good friends Matt McGavick of the Louisville Report, and Vincent Lacoco, former Louisville football player, student assistant. Uh, and like I said, we've got a lot to get into tonight. There is clearly a lot of things happening around the program, uh, both with football and the athletics as a whole. Um, and we're going to dive into every bit of it with our journalist who has been on the ground. Matt, how are you, buddy? You tired of going back to, to Grommeyer Hall yet or what? They got in the, have they upgraded the building at all? Does it still look like it's going to fall apart? Oh, yeah, it still looks like that. And, and here I am thinking that as soon as the regular season for football ends, that, you know, things are going to get a little easier, a little less stressful. Huh. I, aren't I the naive one here? You would think you've learned better by now, but, uh, you know, I would hey. think. But I, my goodness, your- I did not I did not expect things to get to where we are now. And all of the, the rumors and hearsay and speculation that I've heard over the last Oh God, five days, however long it is at this point. It's, oh my goodness, it's been a whirlwind. I can only imagine. I, I mean, dude, it's balding you by the second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a joke. Here. You've been, you've been bald all along. Uh, Vincent LaCocca, how are you, man? How's, how's everything going? You took a final today. How'd that go? Oh, uh, it was great. I mean, it was my final started at about 4 15. 4.15-ish, so right in the midst of all the uh, news getting broke and everything, I was like, oh, this would be great. I'm taking a final, so I get to uh, finish up my final and then uh, hop on Twitter and see what all happened and everything, so the anticipation <laughs> was killing me. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a fun couple of days for you as well. Obviously, we uh, made it official with the State of Louisville announcement of you joining the squad there. How many texts and phone calls have you gotten? I'd imagine like a million. The guy who hosts the best segment in sports talk uh, and podcasting has got to be getting blown up, right? Yeah, you guys finally made me a Facebook official, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> I got a million texts from everybody, so I, I appreciate all the love. Hope everybody tunes in every week to listen to, uh, to us joke around and uh, have some fun talking football. 
Yeah, well, hopefully with all of the things happening, we can we can shed some light on what is happening, but also have a little bit of fun at uh, Louisville's expense, because at, at this point, man, you got to you got to drink, which I've got my beer here. Uh, you got to drink a little bit and uh, just laugh about it. I think if we could drink as a group on Twitter, like have a group drink together, I think a lot of people would be able to just kind of chill. Uh, but here we are. So we've got a lot to get into. We're going to do the big three. We're going to talk, obviously, a lot about Vince Tyre and um, what has happened with the University of Louisville, Neely Bendipudi. Uh, we're going to talk about what has happened with the football program since we last talked. The head coach has been retained. Um, there have been uh, no major changes yet, uh, several transfers, a couple of new additions, which we're going to get into all of that. Uh, we're going to talk about what that looks like, what the the uh, decision to keep Scott Satterfield does for the future, why the Jeff Brom stuff just doesn't make any sense to me. I've got a lot of numbers, guys. I'm going to I'm going to get into the nitty gritty of the numbers tonight because this Jeff Brom narrative has got to stop. It's got to stop. <laughs> we'll get into all of that. But first we go to the news. All right resident journalist here i'm gonna give you the uppercase j you didn't climb the stairs like tim sullivan did but you did go down to grandmeyer hall you did wander the campus of the university of louisville where i'm sure somebody looked at you and said who is that 50 year old dude walking around it's been a big week for you but let's jump into the big three the big three headlines surrounding the louisville football program the university of louisville Big, 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 big three. three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big three. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go to headline number one, Matt. What do we got? Headline number one, and I'm sure what is going to continue to dominate the local news headlines for the next few days until things become even more official. Louisville removes non-compete and 30-day notice clauses from athletic director Vince Tyrese contract. Now, if you're a Louisville fan who's had their head in the sand for the last week or so, uh, we know about the news that uh, Tyree decided to keep uh, head coach Scott Satterfield for the next year. We've talked about that. But about, and I know we're going to dive more into the timeline after that, two hours after he made that decision or released those details to WDRB's Eric Crawford, and that was put out there. Uh, Yahoo Sports' Pete Thamel reported that Ty Ray had become a surprise entry to the Florida State athletic director job, which it's it's being reported by one of the most reputable and knowledgeable and more, most connected guys in college football. So when, when someone like him puts that out there, it's pretty serious. And so that slowly devolved into more and more rumors, more and more speculation. But before we get into that, what actually ended up happening was that the Louisville Board of Trustees met Monday in a special meeting for an executive session to talk about quote unquote personal matters. No action was taken then. Then Eula met the next morning. No action taken. Board of Trustees met, uh, what time is it now? Four hours ago. And they finally made action. They waived the non compete and 30 day notice termination clauses from Tyre's contract. Now, in Basically, what that means is that Louisville could, I mean, not Louisville, Tyree could take the Florida State job like in five minutes and he would be contractually and legally able to because the non-compete pretty much put a snag in all of the Tyree to FSU chatter because what it said is that he would not be able to take 
any job with another athletic coast conference school in any capacity for up to 12 months, months after the end of his contract, which is set to expire in 2023. So now that's out of the way. He doesn't even have to give a 30 days notice that he's taking another job, say at FSU. So in, in theory, this could have been done like five minutes after the board of trustees meeting today ended. It hasn't. I, I thoroughly expect for things to become officially official with Tyrant FSU tomorrow and by the time this podcast drops, it'll be today. So, hey, breaking news. <laughs> so, did it, did it? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where things stand there. It's kind of in wait and see mode now. It's it's not even wait and see mode. Wait and expect because it's going to happen at this point. Yeah, definitely uh, caught me by surprise on Friday. Um, obviously, we were all just kind of waiting on the edge of our seats to see what would happen with Scott Satterfield. Um, I think him being retained is a little bit of a surprise, but also a little bit of a no brainer, which that may be a shock to some people. Uh, but, you know, when you have the financial issues that Louisville has, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, and I, I would encourage people to, to watch the state of Louisville.com. We've got a great piece coming in the next couple of days, maybe even the next week with a lot of the financial stuff to try to explain and put some context into some of these conversations that you've heard about Neely Bendipudi and Vince Tyree and the financial ramifications of another coach. But let's call it what it is before we jump into the next headline here is Louisville is still paying Bobby Petrino. Louisville is still paying Brian Van Gorder. Louisville is still paying a number of other Bobby Petrino assistants. Louisville is Papa John. <laughs> uh, yeah, Louisville is paying Papa John uh, for removing his name off of the uh, stadium. Uh, Louisville is paying Scott Satterfield. Louisville is paying Scott Satterfield's staff. Louisville would have had to have paid a buyout to Jeff Brom. Louisville would have had to have paid a buyer to Purdue, and Louisville would have had to have paid another buyout to Scott Satterfield. It just doesn't make sense for a coach who uh, is 500 over a three-year period. I digress. Headline number two, probably not the best segue into the next headline. Doesn't come from a website. We've, there's been no rule following in the last couple of days from the University of Louisville in terms of how things are supposed to go. So why should we follow the rules? I don't need a website for a headline. Headline for myself, Justin Marshall, Zay Peterson, Nick OKK, the latest Louisville Cardinals to join the transfer portal. Um it's been a busy week for the portal, and we, we talked about this. If you've been listening to the show, I really hope that you can walk away feeling like you beat, you're educated a little bit more about college football, the portal, recruiting, because without context, some of these things just don't seem like uh, they're not, you know, not, not a big deal. Um, people think of players leaving, and um, you know, they think, oh, my God, the world is falling apart. We've had four transfers in five days, whatever the case is. All right. I get it. Jordan Watkins transferred and uh, left Louisville uh, late last week. Um, we, we talked about I think we talked about in the last episode. I've lost track of when the last episode even was. OK. All right. But we talked about the lack of Scott Satterfield being in the announcement of leaving. We talked about maybe there being some issues with Jordan's fit in the offense. The guys that have transferred since then, Nick OKK, uh, Zay Peterson, um, who else said we Justin Marshall? Justin Marshall. Um, and then I feel like I'm missing somebody else. I know Hassan Hall. And no, it, it, it's only five at this point. It's those three, and then Watkins and um and Hall and Hall. Yeah. Okay. Oh so let's Even just I'm blanking. Let's just run down the list here. I don't have the stats in front of me, but Nick OKK, absolute disappointment this past season. I think we can all agree. Maybe not his fault. They had to move him to middle linebacker after the injuries that they sustained there. He never really was himself. He's had a good couple of seasons. He's dealt with injuries. Uh, but it's it's a lot like the Ruskies kind of thing. Like he probably will have a better fit for him where he can be the focal point somewhere else. Playing behind Yasir Abdullah, not many people are going to start over Yasir Abdullah across the country, let alone at Louisville. Right. Okay, all right, we can call that one a depth thing. Zay Peterson, I tweeted this earlier. Jack Fago got moved to the card position. That told us all we needed to know about Zay Peterson's playing time, right? Jack, mm -hmm. Jack Fago was going to play at that spot. 
Marvin Dallas emerged as an absolute baller. Okay, Marvin Dallas alert. Marvin Dallas alert. Signal the Marvin Dallas. I'm telling alert. you, I, I need to get like one of those staples that was easy buttons and have like it say Marvin Dallas alert because he he's going to turn into one of my favorite players. Exactly right. So the Nick, for, so the, uh, the the Zay Peterson, as much as we really liked him being an IMG commit, uh, again he just it doesn't seem like he ever was able to get the get onto the field a lot like we've seen with some of these classes, right? Um, and then the last transfer that we kind of talked about was Justin Marshall, a starter every game this season, um, a starter really for the most part, the last two seasons. But like, if we're going to look at this on a scale of um, a non-existent wide receiver um, to a star, Justin Marshall is probably somewhere towards the former. Um, he had, he's had good, he's had good uh, productivity this year year but he's just been uh, an average role player he started but the numbers really aren't there um you know i think he's probably got a better fit elsewhere you you you, you th- these numbers don't really make you feel like you're confident in sat but what i tell you and i think we can all agree here you guys chime in if you're wrong is none of these players that have left compare to the players who have come back Lee cunningham coming back control clark coming back monty montgomery coming back potentially Yasir Abdullah coming back. So we're talking about a lot of guys potentially coming back who matter. And not that these other guys weren't any good. Jordan Watkins and Justin Marshall are two of your starting receivers. Um, but they were just kind of role players to fringe starters. I think, is that fair to say? Yeah, completely agree. The, like, like you said, those top three guys that were retaining Malik, uh, Cottrell and uh, Monty, those three guys right there alone are, three guys that are going to be captains next year. So that's going to be huge for us opposed to where, you know, losing Justin and the other guys, really only Jordan's the one that's hurting you in that instance because he has so much time left and, you know, he's a local kid. It looks good for the city and everything. Yeah, yeah. That's the transfer that hurts, right? That's the one that you feel a little bit more. Oh, yeah. And plus, I I feel like things like this need a little bit of context because – Again, no matter how many times all three of us will say this until we're blue in the face, some people will still think and see that when someone enters the transfer portal that the sky is falling. Everyone at the division, everyone, not even division, everyone in, in college athletics is getting hit by the transfer portal. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, and plus, like we've already established, the guys, bulk of the guys who have left now we're probably not going to be huge contributors next season. I mean, I'll use next last season as an example. Mm-hmm. I think the final number ended up being like 18 ish. I feel, I, have I feel like that. I have it. I do. Have it. Yes. I, I don't have the exact number, but I have the players. If I, let me count here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. You are a journalist, Matthew McGavick. There you go, Matt. Okay, yeah, okay go. but listen, listen. And, here's and, the th- and Jacob, to my point, how many of those guys that transferred end up at Power Five schools? I think it okay. was four. Yeah. So let's. This is the conversation that I think more people need to have, and it's also a little bit of an indictment on Scott. I think we need to be very honest here. Okay. So out of the portal last year, the the, the guys that left that went on to play somewhere kind of bigger than Louisville um, or equally as big as Louisville was Marky Lowry, who no one had him being a starter on a top 10 team this year. Like, let's just be honest. Dude, that is the craziest thing. And then you have Christian Fitzpatrick, who also goes to Michigan State. Rush East goes to Kansas State, ends up being a first-team All-Big 12 player. And Anthony Johnson goes to Virginia. But I'm going to read the rest of these, and you guys tell me what you think of this. Arkansas State, Stony Brook, UT Martin, Florida A&M, uh, Missouri State, Rice, Towson, Chattanooga, Jackson State, Houston, Alabama, A&M, and Southern Miss. Um, 
I, that that shows you that these guys aren't like the biggest names. But what it also shows you is what fans are kind of complaining about and have a right to be complaining about. Is the majority of those guys are sat guys, and they went to schools that aren't even close to Louisville's radar. And that's been the argument all along. Like you can't have Jackson Gregory leave and go to Stony Brook, and and that then was, that was bad. That was and then bad. yeah, exactly right. There's number uh, a number of those guys. Desmond Daniels is another one, like who's just an underrated player. Came in, never really saw the field. Um, you know that, that the list goes on. The, these guys just aren't going to make a huge difference in the win loss column. Um, yes, from a numbers perspective, it forces them to have to go out and recruit more players, which we've seen can be a 50-50 toss-up, but it also doesn't indicate that the sky is falling. Headline number three from our good friends over at Card Chronicle. I can't help but giggle at this headline because if I read this to you like seven years ago, you would think I was crazy. Louisville opens as a slight favorite in the first responder bowl against Air Force. A slight favorite in the first responder bowl against Air Force. (laughs) Louisville (laughs) opens the line against Air Force is one and a half points. Um, at this point, it's a pick game, which, hey, look, Tro- Troy Calhoun was a legitimate Power 5 coaching candidate about five years ago. They have been known to have this very unique offense. Um, the Louisville against Kentucky couldn't stop the run. So, hey, I guess you can draw the line to conclusion that Louisville might be on upset alert. Yes and no, because it, it's one thing to run the ball like Kentucky does, like have – insane offensive linemen just like like they say the big blue wall and have like some pretty capable backs behind them when when you run the type of offense that air force and the other service academies do the offensive line more often than not is not a bunch of 300 pound plus hog mollies it's it's usually a bunch of smaller more speed oriented guys to kind of run that block that complex blocking scheme that they do because they run so many different since they run so much they have to have so many run plays like it's well let me rephrase that since they run so much they have to have <laughs> I mean, so many that's different a, run <laughs> jesus can you tell that i'm tired that's a fact though if you're, you're gonna run the ball you gotta have a lot of run plays i mean this is the fact of football. let me okay let me backtrack when you run the okay when you run the ball 65 freaking times a game which i did the math they do run on average that many times you can't run the same five plays over and over you have to have a complex yeah. set of play calls and so you have to have, it's going to get tiring for a lot of these big guys doing that. So you have to have some smaller speed oriented guys to kind of confuse defensive fronts. So they run QB draws, QB options, triple options, uh, speed options. I know little fans have a love hate relationship with the short size speed option. Air Force runs that a lot. I mean, it's your, it's your standard procedure, triple option offense with the service academies. I mean, look at Georgia tech did it for a number of years. I mean, I kind of saw the tail end of that during when I was down there. I mean, in, in the right matchup, it can work. Will it work against Louisville? Maybe, but it's it don't expect there be it's just a bunch of big physical buff dudes on the line for Air Force. So to me, that's you're telling me, Matt, that Louisville's D line might actually be you know kind of favored here on the size. They matchup. they, they <laughs> like might Air Force. They might. Line. I like the sound of that one. <laughs> like the Spider Man meme, the two the two undersized lines pointing at each other. <laughs> But this game has a lot of uh, feels to a specific game. Um, Vince, does October 5th of 2018 ring a bell to you? Does that yes. date? It does. I'm going to imagine you know what that is. I didn't know 2018 even existed. Jacob. Okay. All right. Well, that's fair. I, I thought that you were going to legitimately answer my question, but that was the last <laughs> time. Matt, you know what that is? 
for one, it's my sister's birthday, so that's why I remember this specific game as much. Okay. That was when um, Georgia Tech marched into Cardinal Stadium, and quite frankly and bluntly, if you have kids, out of this, beep the ever living dog shit out of Louisville by running the football all but what was it two times in the game three times three Three times times. yeah they the quarterback went one for three and his one completion was like a 78 yard touchdown uh and it was the most embarrassing um performances i've ever seen uh and the reason why one of the reasons why you feel like you're gonna i feel like you're gonna say something vince what is it do you want to like interject and try to make an argument for why it was not arguing anything i'm I'm justifying the fact that that's a brian van gorder defense so (laughs) that's true (laughs) that's okay that's that's very true but this is a this is one of those games man where they're gonna probably throw the ball five or six times um they just had to tackle they tackle in this game and they come dead like i i think that there's this perception outside of the building that the team is falling apart. Nobody believes in sat, but what I know about Satterfield and one of the biggest reasons, I think I've said this a lot, this, this, on this season of the show is the guys play so effing hard for him. They go like their life is on the line. Like if you watch Louisville play, okay, I, you can, I will agree with you. Sometimes they're not that good, but you, you show me where they've quit and I'm going to tell you you're a liar. And I don't think they're going to quit for this game, but if they do show up and they feel like they're just going to win, Air Force is going to run the ball 65 times for about 1,095 yards. Like, that's how it's going to go. So um, this game will be definitely something to watch. We're going to get into this much more. I don't want to talk much more about Air Force. I don't really want to talk about what we're going to talk about. We're going to do it anyways. Um, we've got, we'll have more previews. The, the game's in like four weeks, so we'll get there. Yeah, we'll jump previews. into. We'll, we'll get a bowl episode at some point. But anyway. Yeah, at some point we'll get we'll – get we should get an Air Force person on. Do those exist? Are there people who cover Air Force football? Uh, I feel like there has to be. It we have got to, to find somebody, the right? Air Force journalist and get them on. I've just be, I have so many questions, so many questions. All right, let's jump into another place where we have a lot of questions and a, not a lot of answers. Vince Tyree. Um, again, I said this a little bit ago about um, about about Air Force, but if you had told me um, even six months ago that Vince Tyree might leave Louisville for another job, I'd tell you you're crazy. The guy was the CEO and a president. Hell, if you had Mo- told me that like ten days ago, I'd. Have- yeah. Yeah. If you had told me that at Friday at four o'clock before we found out, I would have told you you were smoking something. Like it's unbelievable. The store. Okay. We went into the weekend freaking out about Satterfield being retained. Louisville football fans, I'm not retaining my season tickets. I'll never go to another game. How dare Vince Tyree not fire Scott Satterfield? I'm sorry. I'm super burpy. The beer is getting to me. It's a winter lager, super burpy. But the fans, this entitlement. It's Jared Stillman, which I enjoy Jared Stillman. I know a lot of people don't. He is spot on. I've been saying it all week. Louisville is so close to 2017 Tennessee running Greg Schiano. They really are. We are so close to that right now. We are on the preface of looking like the most stupid fan base in the country over a coach who is 27 and 29. That's all I'm going to say about it before we get into Jeff Brom. But this whole thing is just crazy how it came out of left field. The Chris Mack thing, we, 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 the six max uh, six game suspension. We kind of like okay, all right, six game suspension. It was stupid. Neely uh, overstepped her, you know, boundaries. Whatever. We moved on. The, the suspension is over. Yeah, we bitched about it for a long time, but we thought okay, Neely's involvement in sports is over. And then Friday comes and Scott is retained. 
And all of a sudden, people are freaking out. They're starting to really look at Vince. Vince, how dare you retain this guy? You don't have the best interest of the program. You're a UK plant. We knew all along that you weren't the guy. And then like an hour later, Vince Tyree is headed to Florida State. And all of a sudden, a couple of people are talking on the radio about just trying to connect some dots. Maybe Neely had a hand in this. And all of a sudden, Neely Bindapudi becomes the number one person on the hit list for Louisville fans. And all weekend, all weekend we heard about Louisville is, uh, you know, destined to become Kansas. Louisville is going to become this, whatever the case is. Let's let's state the facts here because there's a lot of rumors out there. There have been a lot of I heard a little bit of information. My brother Jeff knows Bob, who's on the board. Uh, or not, they don't know Bob. They know Bob's friend Jeff, uh, who's on, who knows Bob, who's on the board. And it's this: everybody knows everybody who's on the board. Everybody knows everything. What I'm not going to do right now is discredit any of the message boards. I'm not going to discredit any of the people who reported stuff because more and more what they reported is starting to look very true. But I want to run through a timeline of this, and I'm going to do this very quickly. So I hope that you can maybe slow this down if you're listening on Apple or Spotify to keep up. I talk fast as is but i'm going to go through this quick for the sake of time 11 27 louisville loses to kentucky 52 to 21 that's an important date to know because at that point the timeline for scott satterfield is sped up significantly it goes from maybe one more year to no fire this man tomorrow don't let him back in the building jamal adams his ass and lock him out okay 11 29 court dennison louisville part ways this doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal court dennison had been on leave but this is the first kind of bad news towards um, Louisville football and some things maybe happening behind the scenes. Uh, just a few hours later, rumors start to swirl that Jordan Watkins could be leaving. And the, the thing that's worse about this is there are rumors that he could go to Kentucky. We obviously now know that's probably not going to happen, but at the time it looks like it's the end of the world. Louisville is falling apart. 1130. The next day, Jordan Watkins transfers more speculations start to swirl that there's a mass exodus. There's rumors of Trevion Cooley. There's rumors of Yasir Abdullah. There's rumors of players leaving left and right, a mass exodus of sorts. 12-2, a couple of days later. Uh, this is when the memes and the vague tweets about Brom start swirling on Twitter. And I know that that seems silly to put into a, tw- a timeline, but we can't act like that didn't exist, that there was a million people signaling that Jeff Brom was coming to Louisville. Am I right? Like, it seemed like the writing was on the wall, according to Twitter. That, people. That's when everyone who claims to have sources or a guy is like, what really came out of the woodwork. That's when this thing started to get really ramped up. Exactly. Okay, so let's fast forward. 24 hours. Uh, Nick Sorrell and I, I think it was Ty Spaulding of Rivals. It, it might have been Dave Lackford. Um, are the first known reports of Scott Satterfield being retained. And this is really important, and I want to point this out. I know there's been a lot of shitting on these guys. I'm not going to do that, right? I don't know these guys from the back of my hand. Well, I know my hand pretty well, so that's a bad comparison. But I don't know these guys from, from Jim up the street. But what I do know is what they said is true. And when you see that and it's a trend, you have to pay attention and not just discredit it because you don't like them or you don't think that's traditionally where news comes from. Okay, I move on. 12-3 later on in the day, all throughout this day, rumors are swirling that Scott Satterfield has been fired. That is, a, that is a rumor that has made its way to Twitter, and it is known at this point Jeff Brom is happening, that he is the top candidate and it is only a matter of days before it's announced. In fact, more people know Jeff Brom's buyout dropping date than they know um, you know, their, when their taxes are due. Like straight up. People knew when his buyout was mm-hmm. dropping, okay? Like let's not ignore – Louisville fans knew what was happening, okay? So 12-3 at 5.30, and the time is very specific here for Friday – 
12-3 at about 5.30, Scott Satterfield is announced as being retained as head coach. Uh, again, you mentioned it, Matt. Eric Crawford has that news. There's no statement. There's no nothing. It's just a leaked bit of news to Eric Crawford. It was a Friday news dump, baby. Exactly. A Friday news dump at its finest from a university who knows all about the news dump, okay? At 6 o'clock, so not even 30 minutes later, Pete Thamel reports that Vince Tyree is a rumored candidate. It was, actually, it was actually an hour and a half, but I okay, mean, that's all right, whatever. negligible. <laughs> this is why you're the journalist and I'm the dude who just makes stuff up as we go okay all right so that's important that's when it's like okay holy crap what is happening here and then between 6 30 to about 7 30 that night rumors really begin swirling that neely bendapuni had interfered and had a hand in scott satterfield being retained and that vince had been interviewing for other positions because of that interference um 12 4 neely finally issues a statement decisions about personnel matters within the athletic department are made by the athletic director aka i hear you bitching on twitter and this is what the handbook says i have faith in vince tyree's leadership of the department and i support this decision in the matter okay that's a terrible statement let's move on university of louisville schedules a special meeting of the board of trustees on 12-5 another hint that we know something is happening this is where it gets interesting because of the tim sullivan genius there's there's legal jargon here personnel matters you can't have people in the room they kick matt's ugly ass out and said, you can't be in here, Matt, get out. We don't want you tweeting what's happening. Get out, Matt. And, and Tim Sullivan says, no, Matt and I are staying. We're journalists. We know where we can be. We're here. And they kicked you all out. The next day uh, or later on uh, uh, that day on, um, uh, was that Monday? It was, it was. I don't even know what day like of the week. One, it was like now. one hour, like half an hour to an hour after that meeting ended. <laughs> that Pat Forty says, okay, this is legit. Florida State is interested in, in uh, Vince Tyree, and there is legitimate tension between Neely and Vince, and it's strained the relationship enough that this is the reason why Vince is leaving. Okay, 12-6 to 12-8. All throughout the weekend, we hear in the next couple of days, we hear that Louisville was on the verge of hiring Jeff Brom, and if you want to just send Louisville fans over the edge, this is what you tell them. Jeff Brom was coming to Louisville. He was ready to come home. No, there wasn't necessarily any direct interview or contact, but Jeff Brom's back channel say he was ready to be back in Louisville and come back to the city where he put his college career on the map at Louisville and be the head coach of the Louisville football program. 12-7, there's a EULA meeting. I don't know what that means, but it's important because it happened 12-8. We're finally to today. Vince Tyree's non-compete is waived. 30-day notice is waived, and the writing is on the wall that Vince Tyree is leaving. And here we are. At, uh, this is uh, just to be transparent with recording. I don't know when I'm going to release this. I have two kids, man. Editing podcasts can be difficult sometimes. But it is <laughs> 8.33 at night. This is a timeline of about seven days, and we still have no statement from Neely Bendapudia as to what is happening. And here's what I want to go into next. I know I've talked a lot of this episode. I hope that's okay. I hope you, don't, I hope you guys don't mind me talking. But I want to I go into these narratives, and I want Matt – this is this is the segment of Matt. This is where we really dive into the journalistic side of things. I want to talk about these narratives because it's really important so, to understand. Before we really dive into the narratives, I think we need to, considering we've gone over so many quote-unquote people who have sources, I think we need to go ahead and reset and establish like what we know for a fact. Do it. Now, now it's not a lot because we haven't heard from anyone at Louisville, which is a joke if you ask me. Maybe they're waiting until everything is officially official. But I mean, if you hold three meetings over three days in executive session over personnel matters, we got to know something, but I digress. There's been a lot of chatter, rumors, hearsay, whatever insert term you want to use about what the hell's gone on. 
whether it was Neely who made the call to retain Sat, it was Vince who made the call to retain Sat. Brom was coming. Brom wasn't coming. We had the money for Brom. Louisville didn't have the money for Brom. Blah, 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 blah. We need to establish what we know from reputable people. And I preface that by saying, I have, I'm not saying people at radio stations are not reputable, not saying some, some select people at message boards are not reputable. But in this situation, there are three people, three entities who I, beyond the shadow of a doubt, believe anything and everything they say regarding the situation. One, Pete Thamel, who first reported this from the get-go and got this thing started. Pat Forty who has established himself, I don't care what your opinion on is on him is, he's established himself as a reputable local journalist, and he, he's got the connections. And three, Eric Crawford. Those are the three people from beyond a shadow of a doubt that you, I think you can trust everything that has come out of their mouth. I think you got to put in a good word for us with Eric Crawford because I don't think he likes us very much. <laughs> <laughs> just going to throw that out there. Just throw, Nick on, just throw Nick under the bus. <laughs> but anyways... Um, no matter what everyone else has said, I think you have a baseline from those three guys that this from to build from. One is that Vince started as a candidate for Florida State. I think you kind of throw Pete out because his contributions to this whole thing is just that first initial report. So it's mainly like it's partially Pat, but mainly Eric. What we know at this point, based on what those two guys have said, is that there is very real tension between. Vince and Dr. Benaputi. The actual we we can speculate, but we we don't know for sure where it comes from, and that Dr. Benaputi was not a part of the meetings with Vince and Scott Satterfield. That was I tried pulling up the exact tweet quote from Eric over the last couple of days, but it's, it's lost in there. But he did report that. I think we need to start from there. And that, now we can proceed into the narratives. Okay, let's do that. Uh, I, again, that, that was great, Matt. Fantastic. That is why uh, when we started this show, I have a co-host like this man right here because I, <laughs> I've, I know football. I know Louisville. I've covered the team for a long time, but I do not know that stuff. And so that is – I can lean on Matt for the stuff when it comes to like really, really, really good cold hard facts that I just – can't generate right so uh, but what i can generate and what i can understand is what people are saying and what the narratives start to become because i do I, i'm on twitter nonstop. i listen to a lot of sports radio obviously we have our group chat with a lot of people who do the same thing we bounce ideas off of each other some of us believe some of these narratives some of us don't um i gotta tell you we have a we have a group chat from the state of louisville that has about 15 people i'd say maybe a little bit less um, th there's a lot of people who are split in there. And this is one of the first things that I can remember. And a lot of these people I've been very good friends with since 2016. So we've seen a lot of things, Louisville sports. This is the first time I can remember this much disagreement across the board. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a narrative. So here's the five narratives that I've pulled. And I want to, uh, Matt, I don't want to spend too much time on each one of these, but I just want you to provide a little bit of context as to why they're true or not true. Okay. Here we go. Narrative number one. No matter what, the president should never step into athletic affairs. Vince Tyree should, would still be here right now if he could have fired Scott Satterfield and hired Jeff Brom. I think this, I'll just bluntly say, I think this narrative is stupid. Because, I mean, Dr. Bendaputi is the president of 
the entire University of Louisville. Yes, she is not the athletic director, but she oversees everything on campus, including athletics. So to say that she should have zero input, because think about it. When you when when they approved Scott Satterfield's contract, you know whose signature was needed to help approve this contract? Dr. Benaputi's. Yeah. I mean, in fact, Vince and Dr. Benaputi sat next next to each other in the EULA board meeting in which they approved the contract for Scott Satterfield. So to say that the president of any university should have no input into athletic affairs at all is asinine, if you ask me. It's any company. Like, let's be very, very honest, okay? Let's just take an industry that I know very well, and that's the advertising agency world, okay? If I work in the media department, which is what I do for a living, I'm a media buyer and a media strategist. If I mess up or I do something that is um, not within my job description or I overstep my boundary, are you kidding me to think that the owner or president of the company isn't going to come down and address it? Are you kidding me? No, that's not how business works. When it's time for the people at the top of the food chain to step into the other positions, that's what they do. And they make action and they make decisions because they're leaders who lead people. And Vince Tyree reports to Neely Vindaputi in some form or fashion. I don't know how the exact chain of command goes, but she is the boss. She wants to make a decision overrule Vince Tyree. Yes, it's not popular, but uh, sometimes it's needed. And again, I talk about the financials because this is a this is a very important part of this uh, the, of this conversation that the general public does not have any um, sort of awareness to. And even people that I've heard this week listening, uh, talking on radio, talking on national podcasts, or you know whatever, they don't even know. Louisville has financial issues, folks. That is a very realistic thing. A lot of a lot of programs across the country do, but it's very hard for a president to get down with firing a coach who has a uh, doesn't even have a losing record, who went six and six, eight and four in his first season, COVID year last year. It's just that's just not how it goes a lot of the time. All right, narrative two: there isn't enough money in the budget to fire Scott Satterfield and hire another coach, but U of L should do it anyways. The only reason they aren't is because Vince is a UK plant. And Neely hates athletics. Even just taking out that last sentence. That I'm sorry, I had to throw that in there. That narrative just on principle just doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, that's like me saying, yeah, I don't have enough money to buy a Ferrari, but I'm going to do it anyways. Like what? Like what, what kind of logic and sense does this make? Yeah, really? if you have any questions on this, go back and listen to the beginning of the show. They're paying a lot of coaches. And that's when it comes to this, that's all you need to know is the fact that they have taken a very hard hit. They had some... Um, they had some moral issues that they had to address. The Papa John's thing is quite frankly, a moral issue um, in my Papa opinion. Racist. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want a racist name on your building. There's players who made it very clear that they were not okay with that. So um, that costs money. You can't just breach contracts and not pay for it. They decided to take the moral high route uh, or high ground and not, um, you know, continue to go forward with that for the money. And here we are, it, it affects everything. So a lot of these decisions that people don't consider play, a part in this. All right, narrative three, you can't fire a coach and pay the ghost of ex-coaches past and continue to bleed money. No matter what the fans feel, it is a financially sound decision to keep things status quo and retain Scott Satterfield as the head coach. I, I mean, the jury is still out on if it is financially sound to keep status quo because we've obviously seen the fan base up in arms with retaining him. So there's going to be some sort of financial ramifications to begin with. I mean, you but Tyree is a businessman. I'm sure he was probably weighing his pros and cons and doing a cost benefit analysis before leading up to his decision to retain Satterfield. So saying it's financially sound to keep status quo and to keep Satterfield, 
probably is not the was not the wise. Let me rephrase that. Probably maybe was not financially sound, but it was probably going to be less financially sound to fire him and bring in anyone because no matter who they brought in, they're going to have some buyout, even if it was an assistant coach. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Uh, Where are we at here? Narrative number number four. four. Neely Bindapudi does not care about athletics. She doesn't seem to care if our sports teams suck. It's only about academics to her. She was the dean of business for crying out loud. Well, at Kansas, we are now in danger of becoming Kansas football. Neely is ducking and dodging the media completely and saying nothing. There is no transparency. This is a full out war on athletics. Now, as a whole, I disagree with this narrative, but those last two sentences, I do kind of agree with the fact that there has been all of this activity and movement behind closed doors with the board of trustees, EULA. And we, in this entire process between Satterfield, uh, between his retention and the moves that the board of trustees made today, the fact that we only have one statement and it was in regards to her, Dr. Benaputi's confidence in tirades. And the fact that we didn't get a statement after today's meeting where they got rid of the no, the uh, non-compete clause in the 30 day notice, the fact that we don't know their rationale why, and we don't know for a concrete fact, how we got to this point, the fact that we don't know, the fact that there is no transparency is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I mean, what Tim Sullivan tweeted out something earlier today. I think it was a quote directly from Dr. Bendapudi. I believe it was from whenever she was hired, if I remember correctly. I know it was from in 2018. You got got the quote handy? Yeah, pull it up. I have it, yeah. So he tweeted an exact quote from her that was given to the Louisville Cardinal, the University of Louisville student newspaper. She said, I hope to set the tone that we have to be transparent. If I'm the only one that knows what's going on, if I'm the only one that holds the cards, we have not shared information with people. You get bad decisions faster. I mean, there you go. But in in the same breath, it's reckless to say that she does not care about athletics because athletics are a part of a university. They do help fund the university. They're not the driving force with funding of a university, but they do play a part. I mean, she came from Kansas, for Christ's sake. I mean, Kansas, Kansas I mean, they're, they're football but they, they know basketball. I mean, she has some sort of athletic background. She knows the importance they are to a community. So to say, oh, Dr. Neely doesn't care about sports. She just wants to ruin the athletics. It's, it's stupid. It's a, it's a dumb, tired argument for those who are unhappy with things, how we're going down now. And, and I can get that to an extent. The, because like I just said, the fact that like we we have no real official statements after three straight days of meetings is maddening. <laughs> I wish we had something more. Now, they could be just waiting until uh, Tyre is officially gone or he officially takes the Florida State job. But give us something. How are you going to waive his, no, his non-compete clause and his 30-day notice clause? And then just drop out like that. 
You almost called it a no trade clause. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I came that no, close to, yeah, I, I almost no did call clause. it a no trade clause. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. All right. Narrative five. Uh, it's year three. Scott is 18 and 18. Making a move this quickly would be a disservice to everyone. We trust that with a sound market, and this is we as in Louisville saying this, so this kind of narrative, and this is important because this is what's kind of coming from them. We trust that with a sound marketing strategy, we can win fans back. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm on the fence here. Before I'll straight up say it now. Before that Kentucky game, I was still firmly aboard the retained Scott Satterfield train. Like you, you need continuity. You can't just cycle coaches in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. You'll never have program stability, and you'll never get anywhere. Seeing things unfold the way they did against Kentucky, it put me squarely on the fence. Because seeing seeing a team that was so non-competitive, seeing them get thoroughly out-muscled from, from the jump, and to see that against two against two teams that are like of similar class, like where, where Louisville is arguably trying to get to, it's it's concerning. It it is. And like you, like the narrative said, Scott's 18 and 18. I mean, he's 500 even through through three years and he doesn't really have that many marquee wins i mean the the top one is what wake forest from 2019 yeah and that that's really it and plus recruiting has been hit or miss there have been some question marks there there's been some good recruiting wins but there's been a lot of recruiting misses Mm -hmm. it seems that with this like I said, you need continuity. You want to see what he can do in year four when you when I think he should win eight games. If he doesn't wait, win eight games, I think you can make the argument there. And with some of the players they're bringing in with this recruiting, this small recruiting class now, there's a lot. There's there's a few four stars, and they've, they've done in the first like week of December, they've done a fantastic job in the transfer portal, bringing in the running back from Tennessee and then the wide receiver from Florida. But in the same breath, what gets you excited about this team next year? Seriously. Besides Me? maybe Malik Cunningham. Yeah, Malik. That is yeah. it. Malik. But, uh, well, here's what I'll say. You bring back Katro Clark, Monty Montgomery, and you see Abdullah, and we got a different argument. I mean, those are three foundational pieces of a defense. And um, But I, I think at the, at the end of the day with this specific narrative, you can make, you can make sound arguments on both sides. Yes. And not one side is the dominant, like, winning argument so to speak there are solid there are pros and there are cons to each side mm-hmm. but and and here's I, I don't know if you're going to mention this in, in, in some point in the end of this podcast but if we ever get there it feels like this podcast might go on forever <laughs> i know i mean if vince is to take this florida state job and i say if like he's not going to he's going to does is doesn't it almost seem worse if he did fire him and then got up out of dodge i mean wouldn't you if you're like planning on leaving somewhere wouldn't you rather just not make any major decisions yeah not make any major decisions before bolting (laughs) like it it almost feels like if he like if he did fire satterfield it'd be an even worse look on him yeah i mean i guess nationally like to the national media maybe right would but here it would be a major hit he would have gone down as a god i mean you might as well but put his, the, his, the, his, the, his, the, from the yeah. from a pr standpoint firing a coach and then it coming out two hours later that you're in a, in in contention for another job the from a pr nightmare that's awful <laughs> 
Yeah, but look, that's true. But look at what is happening in Miami, dude. Nobody cares. Like, it's a two-day cycle of shit, and then everybody forgets because there's something else that – there's another two-day pile of shit somewhere else. Any like, BS ain't forgetting. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, look, hey, man. Uh, I know we got a defensive line coach, but, uh, you know, hey. Manny, if you're up, man. Manny, you got my you number? <laughs> Manny, you up, bro? You got my number, hey, man. Hey, big head. <laughs> Y'all want Manny Diaz to come in and save our D line? Is that it? Is that what y'all is I don't know. I like last week. I thought he was the offensive coordinator before. So here I am. I just sound like another Louisville fan picking a name out of a hat. Brick Dion Sanderson. I don't want to see that greasy ass hair on our sidelines at all. Hey man, don't you? I got pomade. It's pomade. It's not grease. Let's be real. Let's let's have a conversation here. Not everybody has buzz cuts like you. They go to the barber say, "Give me a one all over." All right. Some people like me get the fade. They get the nice pomade put in, and it starts to look good. So don't you? And there's me slander. who gets the zero. <laughs> I just need to get rid of the cul-de-sac, please. Give me the lawnmower. Give me the lawnmower. All right, real quick before we jump into the last bit of the show where we talk about Scott Satterfield, Brian Brom, I want to I want to give out our hero of the week. This is our second edition of Hero of the Week, the From the Pink Seats Hero of the Week. This week's hero of the week, guys, is a is a bit of a surprise. I think that um, this this character um, he catches a lot of flack for doing his job, um, and doing his job in a way that sometimes feels a little bit pokey and proddy. Um, uh, he has been known to uh, kind of dive deep and find stories that people say, "Hey, man, you, you need to tell us that. Just leave that I know where alone." You're going with this, but this week, this man has brought the people the truth. He climbed stairs. This is an older fella. He climbed the stairs to go to the office of Dr. Neely Bendapudi, who was voting in her office to be told she wasn't in her office. Yeah, it's a guy who put that. on Twitter a quote from years ago from the president. This is a man who is not afraid. He knows that he's untouchable. The Courier Journal is not the Courier Journal without this man. That's right. Our hero of the week is Tim Sullivan. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Tim Sullivan. What a week for the man. Uh, again, the stair climbing is just, it was just the, the chef's kiss on top of the week that we've had is Tim bitching yeah. about having to go upstairs. But, but on a serious note, in those first two meetings, I mean, he, he did challenge the board, both boards. Were you there? For, did, were you there? Oh yeah. I saw how, it. How it was, awkward it of an great. interaction was that? Did you I mean, feel awkward and uncomfortable? For the first one I did, because I, I didn't expect it to come. Like I could tell that the board was just, I mean, you couldn't really feel the energy because I mean, it's hard to feel when it's like all mostly virtual, but just kind of looking at them, you could, you could tell they're like, Oh, this fucking guy. Yeah. I mean, good for him for standing up for himself, but just like, what did he, he was like, I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. She's my language. But is that what he said? Like, is Jordan he like, did, did, pretty much like, like Jordan Belfort was the like executive person of the meeting, the, the timekeeper, like, all right, media, we're going to need you to leave. And you stood up and Tyler Griever stood up I, and Dom I, Yates I stood up and Tim just I'm, sat there and he's like, I'm not leaving. What are you talking about? I'm not sure who, who the, uh, the representative and the board of trustees were, but they essentially told him, your protest is duly noted, but we believe we are in our right and we are well versed in open records laws. That's they pretty much said, like, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. cool. All right. Well, <laughs> you're gonna find out here in the next couple of days who knows about open record laws. Tim Sullivan is coming for your ass, whoever you are that kicked him out. All right, let's move into the last part of the show here and let's talk a little bit about Scott Satterfield. Um, obviously, this is 
what this is all rooted in. I mean, I've, Chris Mack is a big part of this because that was months ago. And, and somebody pointed out like that he didn't, Scott Satterfield didn't, or Vince Sire didn't have a meeting with Neely in the morning on Friday, call up Florida state. Like, Hey, can I interview for your job? I'm pissed off. Like, this has been an ongoing thing um, that obviously has legs to it, but the Scott Satterfield thing kind of set it over the top. Um, but I want to pose the question and we've kind of talked about this. Was it the right move? Um, I'm going to give you all my opinion. I don't know if you care, but I'm going to give you my opinion. I think it was the right move. And here is why, because there was one candidate for this job outside of Scott. There wasn't any sort, at least that we know of, right? ADs probably always have a list in their Google doc files of, you know, their top five coaching candidates, if their position came open, whatever. Uh, but, but Vince obviously hasn't had time to kind of reevaluate this. I mean, just a month and a half ago, Louisville looked like maybe eight wins was a possibility, right? So Scott, Vince has not been preparing for this. So Louisville fans overwhelmingly are leading this charge for Jeff Brom. Vince Tyra has been a man of the people. He's listened to social media. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can literally point back to in press conferences and media availabilities and uh, different things where Scott is literally, or Vince is literally listening to people. His, 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 the, the fans of the Louisville program, he's listening and making changes based off of what they want. But this decision, in my opinion, while unpopular, Jeff Brom, if Jeff Brom did not, did not play at Louisville, if he did not go to Trinity High School, if his family was not football loyalty here, nobody would want this cat. Like, I'm just going to be very realistic with you guys. And again, I'm going to go through this really quickly, but I've pulled some numbers, okay? And five years as the head coach of um, Purdue, I think that's what it is, one, two, three, four, five, five years. He's 27 and 29. Okay, it's Purdue football. They weren't very good for a long period of time. He's done a lot of rebuilding. That's great. Okay. Against top 25 teams, he's five and nine. You hear a lot of people talk about Jeff Brom's ability to beat top five teams. Okay. This season, I will give you, he beat number two, Iowa. Um, they beat number five, Michigan State. Uh, a couple of years ago, they beat number two, Ohio State, like 62 to 10 or something like that. They He beat number 19, Iowa, in the same year. But outside of that, his top 25 wins are number 23, BC, and that's it. Okay. Which – we can point about sky. We talk about all that. We'll, we'll get into that here in a second. This is where things get interesting for me. Okay. And this is where the argument for Jeff Brom falls apart. If you want us to talk about Scott Satterfield, uh, not winning games that he should win, we need to have a conversation about Jeff Brom. Okay. Overall in his record, he's 27 and 29, five and nine against top 25 teams against teams that are unranked. He's 22 and 20. Okay. I'm going to read off some of the losses that he's had. Uh, 2017, he lost to Rutgers, North Nebraska, and Northwestern. 2018, he lost to Northwestern, Eastern Michigan, Missouri, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Auburn. Okay, some of those aren't that bad. 2019, he lost to Nevada. He lost to TCU, Minnesota, Illinois, and Indiana. In 2020, he lost to Minnesota, Rutgers, and Nebraska. In 2021, they lost to Minnesota and Wisconsin, Notre Dame, and Ohio State, a couple of top 10 losses. The The – <laughs> two losses to Rutgers in five years should disqualify you from any coaching search at the power five. Any level. coach that loses to Scott Frost deserves an explanation. <laughs> like, yes. is there anything in that that I just ran through that's sexy to you besides the two top five wins? No, none of that. None it's, of that. It's, is sexy. it's a very, it's a very mid resume. I mean, okay. and what are we complaining actually, that our coaches we're complaining? Okay. I'm going to get mad for a second. We're well, complaining well, that our coach is a mid coach. He is a dime bag. He's a, actually, he's a 30. Like he, he's the, the bad shit, man. He's not, I, that's I think what they're saying. I think this is the way to describe both. Cause both are mid coaches from these, from just purely a resume build. Uh, we've established this, but the difference be- between 
Braum and Satterfield as mid coaches is that the mean for Satterfield is just consistently average. Not a lot of peaks, not a lot of valleys. For Braum, it's peak valley, peak valley, peak valley, peak valley, peak valley. I mean, Purdue beats the who was this season beat number two Iowa. Yeah. And the very next week after jumping into the top 25, got, <laughs> got their ass beat by Wisconsin. Oh, okay, everybody knows that that was not even the number two team in the country either. Yeah, like they're ten, they finished yeah. 10, and, uh, 10 and 2 or something like that. This I mean, is they're, true. They're pretty good. This but. is true. I'll, I'll give you that. But I was still, you know, decent. But, I mean, how are you going to, how are you going to come off of an emotional high from beating the, at the time, number two team and then lose to unranked Wisconsin? Guys, the very can, next week. Can I just say this? Like, this is the I'm gonna I'm gonna shut this argument down. Okay. I don't care if it's Purdue. I don't care if it's a rebuild. I don't care if he had Rondell Moore and Milton Wright and George Bell and the defensive lineman whose name I can't pronounce, but I think it's like Califanakis or something like that. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very realistic with you. Jeff Brom has two winning seasons in five years, seven and six. In eight and four, and in the eight and four year, I, I'm not saying this because actually I am saying this because I want to disqualify it. He's his wins are against Oregon State, UConn, Illinois, number two Iowa, number five Michigan State, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Indiana. Okay, like eight and four is good. It's it's fine, but you want to go hire a coach? You want to go pay five, six, seven million dollars for a coach who has two winning seasons in five years? Get out of here. Okay. You don't want Scott Satterfield. Fine. I understand his coaching record mid, it might be cheeks. Okay. But you want to go hire a coach who has two winning records in five years. That tells me that there's ulterior motives and the ulterior motive is he played at Louisville. That's it. He played at Louisville. That's it. Okay. For crying out loud, go hire Will Stein for 500K and let's go put a couple million dollar assistants around him, okay? Like, golly, man. (laughs) Bring Will Stein in on this staff. I'm here for that. Okay, I am too. That's another story for another day. Will Stein actually wouldn't be a bad We can build a staff of pretty decent alumni, right? Like Greg Scruggs is the defensive line coach at Cincinnati. Probably not a bad hire for Louisville. Will Stein, the offensive coordinator at UTSA. I don't know if he's an offensive coordinator at a Power 5 school. But anyways, my point is, if you're willing to die on the hill that Scott Satterfield is not the coach, I'm fine with you there. I can stay on that hill with you. I don't need to, I don't need to roll down, but if you go to the, if your, your hill is that Jeff Brom is where you're dying at no nah, man, I'm gonna go find somewhere else to lie down and die. Cause that's not it for me. The coach has two winning seasons in five years. He's 27 and 29. He's lost to Rutgers twice. Move on. Okay. So the next part of this is Vince doesn't have any other candidates. You can't just fire Scott and then go into a national search and spend the next month looking for coaches. When you just fired your coach after three years, he was 18 and 18. You have a very limited budget. Okay. So that's where we're at. We retain Scott because it's the most um, obvious. Isn't the right word. Intelligent might be the the right. It's the best thing for this program. One more year. If he, if he's not good, then you get rid of him. You have a new AD in house. You could figure it out and start fresh. I don't know what else people want to know, but Jeff Brom isn't it. He's just not it. And I don't know how many more ways to say it. Well, my thing is, is what, what makes, or the general public think that Jeff Brown would want to come into this. Like right now right. he is sitting pretty as the hometown hero, Mr. You know, football yeah. royalty in the city of Louisville. Why would he want to come and risk any of that with the fan base that we have and how we react yeah. after that 
anything really. Yeah. Which, I mean, our reactions are warranted for sure. Sure. Time. But if you go out and you hire Jeff Brom, okay, you're probably spending four or five million. I don't know what his salary is at Purdue, but he gets raises every year. It feels like, okay. Then you are hamstrung by your, your coaching salary and Jeff Brom has to go out and hire mid mid middling assistants or, you know, put together a staff with a limited budget. And I'm sorry, but, but if you go back and you look at the numbers, I don't have them in front of me. Purdue's defenses have, have been just trash. Like, no thank you on uh, whoever's been the defensive coordinator there. No thank you. His defenses weren't that great at Western Kentucky. If you That's because they didn't have you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because okay, every, every game but, at WKU was a shootout. Exactly. Yeah, like 60 to whatever because they had a uh, – what's his name at quarterback? Breaking Mike every, White. Yeah. yeah. No, the other one, the one before oh. him. Oh God! What was his name? Oh he man! Stuck around in the league for for the with the Dolphins oh, for a little while. God, oh that, and he, I think he had like tattoos too. Yeah, I, I he, can't. Yeah, tattoos and everything. He was like your. He was like a. Like I'm gonna look first it up. First, real big, me. like fifth or sixth year guy. I feel like. Yeah, I, I cannot remember. I know I can like picture him, and I cannot think of who it is. But yeah, you're right, and that's what Louisville would get. So you you bring in a coach at a very high level salary, like that's where you're starting, right? So Jeff Brandon Doughty. Brandon Doughty. That's right. You win, you win eight games in Jeff's first year, and Jeff gets uh, potentially, you know, um, poached uh, potentially to be poached by Auburn. You got to raise Jeff's salary. You're, I mean, you're just putting yourself further and further in the hole. And then eventually, if he's not any good, and you got to fire him. You have another buy. I mean, it's just a mess. He's not proven enough for me to feel comfortable paying him whatever he wants. Okay, this isn't Rick Pitino. This isn't even you know Bobby Petrino. Like this isn't a guy who's proven to me that he can win at the highest level. And even worse, I don't think Louisville fans are even prepared for the, even the potential that Jeff Brom could be mid at Louisville. They just they don't want to hear it. That it's, they, just, they just think he's going to come in and automatically give Louisville nine, ten win seasons consistently. And you know what he's going to do? At Purdue. You know what he's going to do? He's going to shut the city down, Matt. They're not coming in. No more, no more Moro coming in here being a big dog. No, Jeff's locking the 502 down. There's so much talent in the 502 that it's going to make that big of a difference. Jacob, Marlo, don't, don't, Jacob don't don't make me go on this tangent again, man. You know how I feel about this subject. You, you I mean, know, look, uh, look, you know what? Okay, you know I, what? I don't want to point fingers. You know what? But- you know what? We we gonna have this discussion right now, right now, because now I'm now I'm mad. This is I'm okay. Let me gather my thoughts for a second. Uh-oh. I recognize the importance of recruiting local. I do, because every year in in the city of Louisville and in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, there are a handful of players that are good. Salem Brown, uh, Travion Longmire, Gavin Wimsat, and a handful of other guys that are worthy of Power 5 looks at Louisville. That is it in any cycle. The state of Kentucky and the city of Louisville is not a recruiting hotbed like Florida, like Alabama, like Georgia, like Texas, like Southern California. I'm sorry. I I pulled up the research. I I actually looked this up. Every, for the past 20 years in the modern recruiting era, how many times has Kentucky had double-digit top thousand prospects it's not been a lot and when they've done when they've done it it's been like 11 12 13 top thousand guys you know how many are in the state of florida alone any given year 150 (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) 
Like that's not an exaggeration either. There's that many in the state of Florida alone. So whenever I see people saying, oh, they're out recruiting the 250th best player out of Florida and not a top 10 guy in Kentucky, and that's the problem. That's not the problem. That's how you fix things. Peep. Prospects in Florida, in in Alabama, in Texas, in these guys are better than top 10, 15, 20 guys in the state of Kentucky. I'm sorry if it's going to hurt some guys who who don't want to accept that, but it is the truth. I'm not saying that there aren't guys who are worthy, who aren't or not worthy at playing Louisville here in our own backyard. But we have to stop acting like if you were just simply recruit from Trinity, from St. X, from Mail, that you're going to field a team that's going to win the ACC. It's I'm sorry, it's not going to fucking happen. And people need to accept that they, while they do need to establish a local footprint, that is important, but they need to establish pipelines in all of the aforementioned states that I've mentioned. Jeff can recruit. There's no, there's no doubt about that. He's recruited damn good at Purdue, but show me where the results are, man. You can recruit all day long, but show me the results are 27 and 29 are not the results that um, are worth paying that much money to. So what is, what is, what, what needs to happen? What, what do we do this offseason to get things going? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We talked about it last week. Um, there's a lot of things. <laughs> the one thing that I just can't, I can't my, get over. My hand hurts from beating the table. <laughs> I did not expect to, to go off like that because I'm just – I'm what sorry. If I told you, what if I told you that Randy Shannon is coming to save us, Matt? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, the funniest thing about the, the release on Friday, nonsense. the note from Eric Crawford was the mention of a guy. No, it like, was 40. It was oh, 40. 40 okay, first sorry. repeated. Yeah. yeah. Get out of here with that nonsense. So Randy Shannon comes in with, with Peter Sermon level, save the program expectations. And look, I'm all for replacing um, Court Dennison and putting a, you know, really experienced guy like Randy Shannon in there. He's a guy who coached in Miami. He knows how to recruit that area, but he's never been a guy that's really got, I mean, I haven't heard anything extraordinary from Randy Shannon. So let's not act like, at least the last couple of years, let's not act like this guy is the savior of global football. There is no savior at this point right now. The only savior is that they they bring in a couple of dominant defensive linemen, which we'll see if that happens. But um, I think it's clear they're going to make some changes on the staff. Um, you know, we'll see if anybody gets let go or if there's any sort of movement with coaches going to other schools. But um, it, I, I don't I don't think that Court Dennison can be it. Right? No. No, I, I think changes. And even in the uh, interview with Crawford last Friday, I don't have the exact quote pulled up, but they meant, but he did make mention that changes are probably going to be coming. Yeah, I think changes are going to come. One thing I'm watching for is what happens with the staff at App State, who leaves what positions there available, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, because positions become available at App State. There's a lot of guys on, on Louisville staff who would be candidates. Let's be perfectly clear with that. So there's that to watch. There's the potential of guys being let go. I, I made it very clear. I think Chris Mack has to, or excuse me, Scott Satterfield has to pull some sort of Chris Mack type move, fire a couple of his friends. There's some changes that need to be made. Um, two changes that have been made on the power five transfer front, D Wiggins and Taiwan Evans, two commitments from um, the SEC and ACC, uh, Taiwan Evans coming from Tennessee was the leading rusher last year as a JUCO guy before he got hurt, four-star recruit. 
um, in the 2021 class. And then D Wiggins is a guy that uh, Vince is very familiar with, uh, gave him probably his crowning jewel college football moment because You're of a welcome. bad coaching decision. <laughs> You're welcome. D. Whoa, 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 whoa. It was not a bad coaching decision. Let's rephrase that. That was, that was a bad Marlin play. I yelled ball. Oh, we're throwing throwing Marlon under the bus now. Okay. Oh, there's no throwing under the bus. It's abundantly obvious. I was not the one covering (laughs) D. I was the one on the sideline. So Louisville brings in a receiver who probably is an upgrade. I know I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to be honest with this and say this the right way. He is an upgrade over Justin Marshall and shy words. They're not done at that position. They need more help there. Uh, but for starters, he is a great addition. He's a guy who's been kind of caught up in the shuffle down there with KJ Osborne coming in as a transfer. They had Jeff Thomas, a former five-star guy. They've had a couple of other wide receivers down there who have played really well. His numbers aren't great. He only played two games last year, but he's a guy who can help. Uh, I think he's what, Matt? 6'3", 190, 195, yeah, something six, like that. Yeah, 6'3", 190, 195, some yeah. sort of build like that. He's not like a, a wide out or a slot receiver. He's kind of in the middle. Yeah, so he's a possession guy. Is kind of what you're saying for for you know, is that right? Am I am I for, for yeah. football guys and not soccer guys? Point, whatever that is. <laughs> Listen, Matt's over here. It's late. I, I might be getting baseball. my sports. That's a baseball. Term, I might be I'm getting sure. my sports terms. So you've got him, late. and then <laughs> you got Taiwan Evans, who comes from Tennessee. Again, he was a leading rusher. Had a couple of hundred yard games against um, some SEC schools. Um, got hurt just like D Wiggins uh, didn't play a full season, but he comes in and is uh, Jalen Mitchell and Trevion Cooley are your guys. We'll see if anything happens with those two, but I would imagine that those guys are probably pretty locked into their spots on the roster, but um, he joins a group that's with Aiden Robbins and Jawar Jordan gives them some more depth. Um, which one of those two guys you guys think is the more impactful player next year? Oh, Tion, no question. Cause before he got hurt, cause he, uh, hold on, he hold on, t- on, hold on. Name argument. We need to go back here. Is it Taiwan or is it Tiwan? Don't listen to Matt. He's been pronouncing Kendrick Kenderick. The <laughs> All year he's been calling him Kenderick. I'm like, Matt, it's Kendrick. That's how it's freaking spelled. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Taiwan, Evans. Not What did you say? Tiwan? Tion. Okay. All right. Go on anyways. Evans. Just going to call him T-E. T-E. But no, he was, before he got his ankle injury, he was Tennessee's leading rusher. He and just looking at brief clips of film on him, that dude's explosive. Not to say D. Wiggins isn't, but I mean, when you're the leading rusher at an SEC type school, yes, please. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I said. You need SEC guys, you need power five guys, big 10 guys, big 12 guys. Fill the rosters up with those kind of guys. Stop taking chance. Excuse me, stop taking chances on the Georgia Southern transfers and the Cornells. I mean, I know. Um, Kendrick and, and Q Cole are kind of the exception there from the safety position. But for the most part, those lower level guys have not worked here. I can go and name probably about seven of them right now who've done nothing. Um, but moving forward, going to see more activity signing day coming up next week. Speaking of which, want to go ahead and plug Keith Wynn will be on the show next week. We are going to do a deep dive into the recruiting class before signing day, which is next Wednesday believe the 15th is the date uh 15th yep yeah we'll be so matt will be uh staying by his fax machine making sure he's ready to get those articles ready a lot of work going into that but we'll have keith on to talk through a lot of the recruiting stuff and um, just kind of put some more context into what will be the future of global football um any closing thoughts before we get out of here guys it's been a long show i think we've pretty much gone over all of them i don't think i have any more rants left in me (laughs) 
I, I'm good. I, you know, it's it's been a very very long week for every UVL fan out there. So I just just say a prayer for everybody. Yeah, thoughts and prayers. Right. It's been a, it's definitely been a week. I flicked somebody off in traffic today. I've never done that in my entire life. The city. Okay, is on no. Edge. Before we wrap up the week. podcast, we we need some we need some context on that. What okay. Do? All right. Okay, so I don't honk, and the reason why I don't honk is because people get murdered for honking at people. Road rage is a very real thing. I'm going to be very honest. There's been several issues in the city of Louisville with road rage. Okay, the second – what happened was I'm I'm turning in this kind of weird – kind of forked road in Oldham County. It's across, it's, it connects um, like the back half of Crestwood into Peewee Valley. It's this kind of like train track into a small neighborhood cut through the other side. But the way this train track works is I'm going to turn my video on here so you guys can see how I'm explaining it. You go over the train tracks and the road splits. Okay. And you either go left if you're going to go turn left or you go right and you go into traffic. And I had a lady or man, I'm not sure I didn't look, but I had a person following me all the way through this neighborhood and the, the speed limit is 20. And there are cops back there all the time. And so I go 20 the whole way because I'm not getting pulled over in a neighborhood with my kids in the car. It's just too much. My son's crying. But I get to this point, traffic is coming on the Grange Road. And the way that you turn into traffic, there's cars coming about 40 miles an hour. Okay. Like this is traffic is moving. And I get to the edge and I'm getting ready to turn in the way that it goes is you literally come to the farthest part of the, the intersection because cars are coming up too. And it's this little tiny little path. And I'm getting ready to go to merge into traffic and a car is coming and it's just a little bit too close for my liking with my two kids in the backseat. So I hit my brakes and the car just puts the horn on me and just won't let go of the horn and is blaring the horn as more and more cars are coming. I mean, there's like 15 more cars that come after this traffic pattern. And I finally go and the whole way, I, I, as soon as I get in the car, turns behind me, I flick them off. I'm so mad. My kids are in the backseat. I'm not proud of this. And I don't know if they see me or not, but then I just start waving out the window at them and going slow. And I do this thing. My, my roommate and I used to live on this weird street where we would be going like full speed with traffic. And then you had to make an immediate left. And we did the slow turn to piss people off who get on your ass. So I did the slow turn. And I pissed this person off. And I was so angry. Like, I was like, ah! <laughs> and it's because of it's because people want Jeff Brom, guys. That's why I'm so pissed off here. It's been a great show. We thank you guys so much for tuning in. It's been a great week for the state of Louisville from the Pink Seats podcast. This is the kind of stuff where we really, we love to talk about. I know it's a lot, but a lot of things to dive into, share our opinions on. So we thank you guys for tuning in. Um, as always, give our guys a follow here. Matt is the, the one to follow if you want the trusted news. That's at Matt underscore McGavick. Be sure to follow Vince at Vincent Lococo. You can follow me at Jacob Lane 8 Be sure to follow Pink Seats Pod on Twitter if you're not already, as well as the state of Louisville and the state of Louisville podcasts. Uh, by the time this podcast comes out, guys, the news will be uh, who knows where it'll be. Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe next week when we talk, there's a new athletic director, uh, probably the same football coach, but who knows, man? As long as we're like this. As long as we're like this. As long as we're like right. this. <laughs> we got to be a family, y'all. All right. We'll catch you all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.